post-Steve Jobs era at Apple, and everybody's looking at it and says, what's going to happen? Is that thing going to be successful or not? And I think that's more a, a big moment for Apple, knowing that, you know, is Apple going to live from the legacy of Steve Jobs' product, or is this new... Uh, the new product, his first new product after Steve Jeff, is that going to make it? Is that going to be successful? We are right at the cusp of something huge. We are at a crossroads and the future is completely within our control. We're living through the single biggest culture shift of our time. This is the time for us to just really take charge. That's what revolutions do. They enable the impossible. You're listening to The Growth Show with Mike Volpe. I, however, am not Mike Volpe. I'm Joe Chernoff, the VP of Content at HubSpot, and I am filling in for Mike, who's on vacation. I'm joined today by Philippe Kahn, the Silicon Valley veteran whose company, Full Power, licenses sensor technology to wearable device manufacturers like Jawbone and Nike. So if you're tracking your sleep or your exercise activity, there's a pretty good chance his technology is behind it. He's also credited with creating the world's first camera phone. So as um, as oh, by the ways go, that's a pretty impressive one. Uh, we thought Philippe, uh, Philippe would be a very timely guest given that Apple is getting ready to accept pre-orders for their highly anticipated Apple Watch. And Philippe's company is doing something really interesting. They're, they're helping luxury Swiss watchmakers tap into the, swap, the smart watch movement. So welcome, Philippe. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, we're thrilled you were able to join us. And um, I know your company does more than, quote unquote, just help the luxury watchmakers tap into the smartwatch movement. So why don't you give us an overview of, of what Full Power does and, and what you're focused on these days? Well, we basically do the engineering. They do the 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 industrial design and the aesthetics. And so basically we build an end-to-end solution that allows uh, uh, horological watches, watches that have real mechanical hands that, that tell you the time all the time so that you, need ta- you don't need to tap on them for the screen to turn on to tell you the time. You know, those beautiful Swiss watches that we all love to wear. So we basically build all the technology that allows for those to be smart watches and uh, we do all the engineering from what's in the watch to the communication stacks to the applications to what's in the cloud and make it all work together and give all the tools for the Swiss watchmakers to build a beautiful watch, you know, using their designers, their design, their industrial design, their iconic brand. So the, the smartwatch market is fascinating. Uh, the, the media excitement seems to be outpacing consumer demand. But now we've got this, uh, the whole Apple Watch movement. Uh, and some people are saying that, like, this is sort of the mainstream moment for the, the smartwatch industry. Uh, what's your take? Has it, uh, is, this a, is this a turning point? Is this, a, is this like a crowning moment? Um, I think it's, it's actually different from all that. I think that the Apple Watch is the first product in post-Steve Jobs era at Apple, and everybody's looking at it and says, what's going to happen? Is that thing going to be successful or not? And I think that's more a a big moment for Apple, knowing that, you know, is Apple going to live from the legacy of Steve Jobs' product, 
or is this new uh, the new product, his first new product after Steve Jeff, is that going to make it? Is that going to be successful? I think that's a big deal. Watches that tell you the time and that are connected and smart uh, are here also. And, and you know, Apple is, is designed a product that's a companion product to the to the iPhone and uh, that that they designed with Apple customers with a lot of feedback. And so now the question is how many, what percentage of iPhone users will want to strap a watch like this on, on, on their wrist? And it's fascinating. So you think that the what's driving the intrigue is more the Apple Watch versus I don't the iPad than the Apple Watch versus Android watches? Yes, I think that the the the, the digital smartwatch has been around with Samsung two or three iterations of them, uh, Google money iterations. There's been the 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 Pebble Watch, etc. Uh, they've been around with a similar feature set, and you know there's a certain portion of the consumer base, maybe two three percent of users of smartphones that are interested by them. The others aren't. If you look at you know movie stars, action heroes, influencers, models, uh, famous people, they're not wearing them. They're wearing beautiful you know Swiss watches. Yeah, you yourself were saying that you love uh, the IWC uh, Big Pilot watch. You know, there, there's a certain aesthetic. So I think I think there's the 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 digital the digital watch has has had its time. It's interesting. There's a certain amount of people who are interested. What we don't know yet is can Apple change that? Change the fact that you know the 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 Samsung gears, the Pebbles, and all that have had very limited success. By contrast, you know uh, there are. Tens of millions of fitness trackers that are in use and that are you know selling every day, and that's very successful because that brings a lot of value to people. the 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 big question is, you know, what a great job Apple is going to do. What do you think is holding back the you know the the Samsung watches where um, where the the Fitbits and the activity trackers have taken off? Well, I think that the first thing they're not competing at all, and you know, first people have multiple watches. They wear one at a time. But, you know, a watch is, is much more than a, a list of, of, of functionality and features. It isn't. You know, I always tell people it's it, it's pretty simple. Uh, if if like, let's say, um, you know, my my partner, if I tell her, I'm going to give you this uh, bag that has three times as many zippers as this other bag, and it's so much more functional, it turns out that this one is, is made by Samsung, it's got three times as many zippers, the other one has a third of the zippers is made by Prada, which one do you want? I know she's going to want the Prada one, and it, it looks better and all that, so th the bottom line is, this is fashion, this is this is image. This is something that is on our skin that we want to wear. And it's not, you know, just an elect another electronic gadget that becomes obsolete. 
after you know uh, you know who has an i say i'll give you an example who has an ipod generation 2 nobody knows there's no emotional attachment i mean you know you you, you know you want a watch is something that a mom passes on to her daughter if it's a nice watch or a father to a son or whatever it, there, there's much more to it there's an emotional uh, character to it which you don't get from any of these products made by samsung uh, pebble and all that you're expected to buy the new one two years from and throw away. It's kind of what the Kleenex consumerist economy. There is no, uh, there's no concept of an emotional attachment to an object. When we talk about jewelry and when you talk about things that you you wear, th that there is a dimension of emotional attachment, and that's the big question: is can Apple create that by creating a watch that you'll still own five years from now? Or is it another one of those Kleenex digital objects, whether it's cost three hundred or ten thousand dollars, that you'll want a new version of uh, two years from now? So, so do the Swiss watchmakers, the luxury the luxury brands, do they do they see the smartwatch movement as as a threat? Do they see it as an opportunity? Is it a tempest in a teapot? Like, how do they perceive this movement? I, well, I think there's no uniform view. There's the ones who are that we're working with who believe it's a fantastic opportunity because people want connected objects, but want connected, beautiful, fashionable objects. They don't want just an, an object. You know, they don't want to. Their position is people don't want to strap a, an iPhone or a, a Galaxy on their wrist or or some kind of subservient device to that. That. You know, if they want to tech, see their text messages, they just go and use their phone. They don't need those to have to come and and disrupt them in the middle of a meeting. You know, start you know, screen turns on in the middle of a meeting or something like that, and you look silly in the middle of your presentation. Uh, something like that. Uh, you know, people people have a different. Uh, a, a completely different view of that. And so they, they believe that people want something that tells the time all the time that you don't have to turn on to know what time it is. You know, they've tried that. They built, some of them have built digital watches. Customers don't react well to it. Uh, is this for everybody? No, not at all. And I wouldn't call it just a luxury watch industry. You know, that applies also to high volume players like Swatch and Movado and all sorts of other groups, and so uh, I wouldn't call it this. You know, uh, they sell watches from two hundred dollars to twenty thousand dollars. It's not necessarily luxury. In fact, Apple is going to be selling at a higher price point than that. So, I would, uh, I would, I would really look at it. They craft beautiful objects you know, using design and fashion as the guiding light and functionality that says the watch first has to tell the time all the time, beyond time all the time. And we can do that with a connected watch. Uh, you don't need to tap it to tell the time. And you look silly in a meeting when you want to tell the time, you have to tap it. You know, people look at you and says, oh, is he saying that the meeting's too long or something like that? And so, you know, you, when you have a, a, a beautiful Swiss watch, you know, you can glance at it at the end, you know, the corner of your eyes and you know what time it is. If you're 
if you're using one of the Alpinas or Monden, which is a very iconic brand, um, you'll find that you can also see how active you were and you can see whether you, it's time to get up and move a little bit. But you don't it, – it, it's not in your face. It's, you, know, you suddenly don't see you know, your statistics for sleep uh, in the last seven days, which really doesn't really matter during your day. What you care about is to go about your day and actually uh, have a better experience. So the Swiss guys see this like that. See that the the goal is to 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 have a beautiful horological Swiss watch, you know, with real hands, mechanical hands, real crystal face that works all the time, that's always on, and now have it connected and smart. Let me be devil's advocate for a minute. Um, social norms uh, they adapt to technology innovation, right? There is. Um, a, a few years ago, it would be unimaginable to talk to your device, and now people say, hey, Siri, to their iPhone. Do you feel I, like that? I agree with that. I, I'll, I'll interrupt you again. Dick Tracy, in the 1930s, had a watch he was talking to. There's nothing new here. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, th there's nothing new. I, I, I don't think there's, there's okay. I, I, I think there's a portion of people who will talk to their watches. I'd rather talk to my wife or pet my dog. But, you know, uh, it, it, it's, I, I agree that there's, there, there's some of that. And they're not mutually exclusive, by the way. People own multiple watches. I totally see that someone could use an Apple watch during the day and then the evenings when they want to go out and look a little more fashionable – they may use a, a, a different, more beautiful watch. So that's something I've speculated on. Do you feel like what what may play out for the for the Swiss makers anyway is a rebalancing of the models people buy? That perhaps people will buy fewer of the like daily wear watches and more because that will get usurped by the the digital watches, the smart watches, and more of maybe a specialty watch or a dress watch or a business watch, and that there'll be a shift. That not that people will stop buying Swiss watches, but they will buy a different model. Well, I think they'll buy connected uh, Swiss smart watches that are beautiful, like the ones that we're building with people like Frédéric Constant or Alpina or Modène and others we're in discussion with. I think that for sure will happen. But I'll, 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 I'll give you another prediction, and that's going to be my prediction. I know it's very contrarian, but Lau will say this. There's a lot of kids between, say, age 15 and 20, maybe a little more, who've never owned a watch because all their life they had a cell phone and they used the phone to tell the time. That's how they did. Uh, with all the publicity on watches, uh, people are now being told that, you know, maybe it's good to, wa to wear something on your wrist. Well, you start doing that, then they start getting the hang. Oh, that's pretty nice. I see that with, you know, we live in Santa Cruz, we have a little surfing community. Well, if, if you'd think, you know, if you'd think somebody wouldn't care about all this jewelry and all that as surfing community, I find the surfing community now is absolutely loving big diving watches and, you know, strong looking watches, et cetera. Whether it's guys or gals that surf, it's amazing. I mean, there is a complete resurgence of watches. And, you know, remember, um, 
when you have an active lifestyle, for example, which we recommend to a lot of people, or actually the medical community recommends to a lot of people, uh, you're going to be in the water. You're going to be in the, a lot of these digital watches don't do too well because, you know, look, you know, uh, in, 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 in those environments that are not very useful, you have to, and, and, and their battery life is, 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 is really something else. We haven't even touched upon that, but, if now you have a, a, a watch that has 18 hours of battery life, you know, we offer two and a half years, mm -hmm. 18 hours of battery life, uh, you, you know, you, that means that really if it's in constant use, it's probably less than 12. That means that you can't really go on a long hike because it'll run go on a battery. It's not going to tell you the time for your hike and it's going to run out of battery. So what are the features that, the luxury watchmakers care about the Frederic Constant and Alpina. What are the smart features that attract those guys? Oh, I mean, first two and a half years of battery life. That's the, you want more than two years of battery life. That's the number one design that's been, when we started working with Swiss watch industry, they said people do not want to have to recharge another device. One day, two days, three days, it doesn't work because people already have to recharge their iPad. People have to recharge their laptop, their iPhone, and you ma you maintain this kind of a mental spreadsheet of what the state of each device is charged and when they're done, and then you forget. The first time you forget to charge, you'll stop using it because you'll stop counting on it. And the, the, the second thing is if these wearable devices are going to be with you 24-7, then their battery life better be such that they can be with you better 24-7 if they're going to wake you up because – if, if they run out of battery in the middle of the night before they wake you up, you're not going to be a happy person. And if you have to, if the, if you have to wear them 24 seven, when are you going to, when are you going to recharge them? Well, that's a challenge they will have is when are they going to recharge all these? So the number one thing is whatever you do, you, 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 you can't have to recharge it all the time. So two plus years of battery life was number one. Number two is, Tell you the time all the time, anywhere you go, automatically, out of time, out of date. In other words, uh, that's the first feature is that, you know, when there's daylight savings, the watch is always on time. When there's, when you, you, you land um, in, um, in Paris and France, the watch is also always on time. It automatically picks up the time zone. Anyway. So that is, you know, with a, with a horological watch, meaning a watch that has real hands, mechanical hands that turn physically, that are beautiful, you know, they're, they're, they're laser etched uh, little parts and they have these beautiful faces and all that. Well, that's really something new because until now, you know, you, when the month only had 29 days or 30 days, you had to, to, to change the date and all that. All that is automatic. So that, that we call it auto time and auto day. Then the next thing they wanted is the quantified self. They wanted the quantified self built in. So at a glance, figure out how active you've been and what you need. At a glance, figure out where you are in your sleep, wherever you are, and not have to press any buttons, turn any screens on and all that. So we built that in. Then they wanted, you know, if it's a watch, it should knows about alarms. So we built sleep cycle alarms, the ability to wake up refreshed uh, in the best portion of your sleep cycle that's within a certain time window of your alarm that you set. For example, you know, you, you might actually, if you have your alarm set for seven, you might be better off waking up at 645 if that's, 
you know, the, the, the top of your sleep cycle because then you'll feel much more refreshed. And if you dive into a deeper sleep cycle and, and, and you get buzzed at 7 a.m., that's, that's, a, that's some science that we've built that's very complex and that most smartwatches don't, don't even know how to do, which we built into the, the Swiss watches because time and alarms are very important to them. So we build that. Activity notifications is another one. We, 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 we basically monitor when you sit. And depending on how it's set up, say for every 45 minutes, if you haven't gotten up, your seat is going gonna, is gonna to give you a little jolt and it's going to, to tell you, hey, time to go and take a little walk. And then uh, the next time you sit for 45 minutes or whatever you have it set up with is going to do that. That's very important because that helps people get, you know, uh, get around in a better way. Then there is the ability to use our platform to create the best possible iconic design that adapts to each watch and we did that and finally uh the 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 trying to address the kleenex device syndrome what i mean is you know we buy an iphone three years from now uh that iphone is uh is goes to a trash can because we want the iphone 7 or whatever it is so we're in a kleenex economy and everybody there's no emotional attachment to any of it when we work with the swiss watch industry it says they want to build it what they call eternal beauty and so we focus on that and so we created all the electronics and small modules so that if you buy a beautiful watch that you love when you do your watch uh, battery change two and a half years from now that costs 25 dollars uh, you can optionally uh, update the module inside you wouldn't know by looking at the outside to the latest electronics and the latest device so that you can keep the same watch mm -hmm. and you don't get into this kleenex mm -hmm. you know throwaway electronic syndrome so let me switch gears a little bit uh, before I let you go. And it's uh, you were credited with inventing the camera phone. Could you just tell us a little bit about the origin of that idea and what drove that technology's incredible growth? Yeah, when, I mean, that was back in 1997. I had been working on the concept of, uh, you know, of, of being able to efficiently share pictures and take them and share them uh, instantly on the web. Remember, the web was three years old, four years old. And there was very limited bandwidth, especially with cell phones. You could do 1,200 baud. You know, there were non-digital lines. It was very limited what you could send. So I had built a server infrastructure that allowed you to actually post images to a a a website remember it's 1997 17 years ago uh that posts to to uh, this way pre-iphone uh uh iphone was 2007 so it's it's you know 10 years before the iphone so um so you could it would post images and then it would send link back to to whatever list you had in your contact list to that image so that they could and they'd get an email saying, hey, Philippe's just uh, uh, just um, I'm notifying you that Philippe just posted a picture. Here's the link back if you want to see it. Uh, a notification similar to the notification you get from Facebook when one of your friends posts something, you get a notification and then you click and you see what, what they did. Well, that was the that was what what I had built. And then what what catalyzed the whole the whole thing was that. I was in the process of building that as 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 my next venture in some way, and uh, we had a, a baby girl in 
in June 1997, uh, the maternity. And um, it turns out I was almost done with a lot of the work. And uh, at the maternity, um, uh, my, uh, my partner had a long labor. I had the opportunity to actually make the whole thing function with a camera and a phone and 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 build a camera phone and when when the our baby girl Sophie was born I was able to take the pictures and instantly share them with over 2000 people mm-hmm. uh, that were friends and family on my on my contact list and um that's the first picture that was uh that was ever shared and you know I didn't realize at the time what what that accomplished but it it accomplished quite a bit because you know the, the 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 feedback I got from all these people. They realized I was taking pictures in right in real time. I was like, you know, really doing point shoot and share instantly with with all these different pictures of of the baby girl after after the first one happened. I says, how do you do that? We've never seen that because it looks like you're doing that in real time. And I was, I was sharing these in real time and it was possible because I was sharing links to, to the pictures as opposed to trying to transmit to 2000 people, you know, uh, pictures, uh, over 1200 baud, uh, uh, throughput networks, which would have taken, you know, I would have clogged, I would brought probably Verizon or AT&T down at the time doing that. And so, so a lot of people and very influential people in the industry said, wow, how do you do that? I want one. And then I realized that, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And then that's when we started a company that actually commercialized the infrastructure for the camera phone and the camera phone itself and became quite successful. We, we, uh, we were surprised how successful it was to put a, to put a, a image sensor in a in a in a phone and then being able to do point shoot and share instantly and that kind of and and that became very successful with citizen journalism and everything that's happening everybody uses camera phones these days but that was for when 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 time came to build our next company we said well we built you know uh cameras into phones now time to look at a different breed of sensors and that was 2003 yeah, about 10 years ago when we started looking at motion sensors, et cetera, and that was the same idea. And now, of course, it's very successful because, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, uh, a lot of the technology uh, that people use in the fitness tracker is our, is the IP we build that full power Motion X. It's known as Motion X. And, and you know, we have a very broad uh, patent portfolio and we've been lucky to be very successful. I have great customers like Jawbone, Nike, and now, of course, the Swiss watch industry, and there, you know, there are many more um, that we're talking to. And uh, so, has anybody ever asked you, or did anybody ever ask you early on to snap a picture of them with their um, with their mobile phone, and they had no idea that you were the guy behind the technology? Oh, that happens every day. Yeah. I live in uh, Santa Cruz Harbor, and we have a lighthouse, and people love to take pictures in front of a lighthouse, and you know, I walk there a lot with the dogs, and it, it invariably there's someone says, "Hey, can you take our? Can you take a picture?" And uh, and they they proceed to tell me how to do it, and I'm, which I'm very happy to get their instructions because they know what they want, and I always post a smile for my uh, on my face, but I think it's great. I mean, yeah. you know. Uh, how how cool is that? I mean, it uh, makes me happy. It makes my day every day. I recall um, I read a story from, um, I think it was uh, uh, Linder Connie who said that he saw a family pull up to um, the Apple sign at Infinite Loop One. And 
Um, they, it just so happened that Steve Jobs was walking to his car when they pulled up and they just said, sir, excuse me, could you take our picture? And, you know, and he meticulously zoomed in and tapped to lock the focus. And um, he took the picture with great care and the, the family drove off having no idea who had just uh, snapped their, um, their memento. So when you were telling me that story, it reminded me of, of that story about Jobs. Oh, that's that's a great story. I, yeah, well, you know that happens every day, pretty much, because you know the Santa Cruz Lighthouse is really a pretty lighthouse, and there are beautiful sunrises and sunset there, and there's always people with their camera phone taking a picture. And the best part is when all these people are also wearing one of our fitness trackers, and then. When, when they ask me to use a camera phone and I see they have a jawbone move or a jawbone up uh, or then, uh, you know, wearing a pair of Nikes, that have, <laughs> then, I, 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 then I, I get a, even a bigger smile. But, you know, it's, it's part of – it's kind of cool to build enabling technology. I think at, at our company, all our team members, they love that, that we build things that a lot of people use. And, you know, when you're an engineer, because we do the engineering, the, our partners, customers do the – do the, the, the aesthetics and the, and the design, um, then you get to, if you do it successfully, you get to run in a lot of places. It's pretty exciting. It's great. It's great. Well, thank you, Philippe, for um, joining us on this edition of The Growth Show. And thank you all for listening to this episode. You can learn more at hubspot.com slash podcast. And you can find all the previous episodes on iTunes. Just search for The Growth Show. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, we'd love it if you'd leave us a quick review. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. So you want to get started? Absolutely. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to start with just a basic introduction, the same one we always do. Okay. Let's see. Okay.